So, hello everyone. Today, we're talking about somebody that something that somebody recommended me talk about. Um, and I was kind of like not interested at first, but I decided to do it anyways because it was in at first it was like I was not really interested in the idea I was like mm, maybe I'll do it maybe I won't um but then you know I was reading I was uh, thinking about it because it it's based on uh, part of it is most a lot of it's going to be based on uh understandings and principles that I've gained from this book that's actually going to be put in the description <clears throat> of the uh podcast so basically what we're going to be talking about is personality types and I think the reason why I'm really doing this is because I want to explore and explain to people the uh, the uh, really interesting problems and principles of in particular the uh, personality types of uh, uh, you know the Myers-Briggs personality understandings how they are actually inaccurate and that's the first thing I want to go over but and um a lot of the problems that come about with personality types, in particular, we're going to be going over the INTP, and uh, because a lot of the INTP understanding is way different than most people's when it comes to this whole personality types thing, when it comes to anything, really, and uh, their way of dealing with the world is, is much different than anyone else's, and, uh, and anyone else's personality type, especially when it comes to this thing, for the most part, I mean, there are differences and there are similarities but most a lot of things they do are very different from most people and um our society especially has an introversion bias in the first place which is um something i want to talk about in the future episode i think because there's some problems with that that um is one of the reasons why i think we have a lack of of wisdom forethought and true um, judgment with a capital J judgment in this uh, in this uh, vein meaning principle judgment like for instance like what we have in 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 our political society for instance is judgment based on in most cases tribalism like if you're a Democrat you're going to side with Democrats if you're a Republican you're going to side with the Republicans. Many, most of the time, 70, 60, 70 percent of the time, I guarantee it, most people, most, most people who are either Democrats or Republicans just side with Democrats or Republicans. This is something that's been a problem for a very long uh, time, but it's only been really pointed out since Trump. Uh, and yes, sir, Trump made it rad- more radicalized with his you know, rhetoric, rhetoric and other things, but it wasn't only Trump and it wasn't just Trump, although the the bulk of the problem comes down to either Trump or the reaction, the, uh, almost a, almost like a, uh, automatic physical, in a sense, reaction against Trump, uh, that caused this as well. Now, that's a, that's a really complex problem in episode in itself, but I probably won't even do that because it's too complex and most people won't understand, understand it anyways because there's a lot of, uh, things that go into, 
why I say that, but uh, I talked about some of it on my uh, Mindful Politics channel before, but anyways, so um, one of the bigger problems that I've always had with the MBTI scale is the their almost uh, dogmatic persistence upon dominance, dominant, uh, you know, cognitive, so-called cognitive functions versus non-dominant. And if you have these particular dominant, like if you have dominant introverted thinking, uh, or even if you had dominant, you know, if you had dominant introverted thinking, and if you're introvert, you're, you know, you're only these types or whatever. And that means that only, like, for instance, like the INTP, for instance, has dominant, according to the type, or according to the theory, dominant TI, introverted thinking, which um, is basically, like, making sense of the world internally, making sense of things, meaning that the INTP doesn't just take things for granted, like, you know, like, perhaps TE or SE users would, Um, that's, that's, you know, I might make an episode deep, going deeply into this because I think there's a lot of things to be learned from this. But, um, and so, if you are considered by them to be INTP, that means that you only have TI dominant, NE um, parent, you know, SE or SI child, you know, FE inferior, and then there's the other four four function X after that, which is uh, I forget what it is. But you know you get the point. So and and only those uh, eight, only and only in those specific orders. Like one is this, two is this, three is four is this, five is this. It can't be one is actually that and and not this. Like for instance, you know I've I've always tested with the uh, the uh, in many cases when I've tested the INTP uh, profile comes up, but it, it, I'm actually more intuitive than. Uh, dominant t- uh, TI, which is interesting, um, and that shouldn't be given the the understanding of the model that most people have of the model. And so, um, I tend to disagree with the idea that it, you can only have these eight cog- uh, dominant these eight functions and these eight these only in a specific way based on the way that you seem to type. Um, because there's a lot of inaccuracies there, and there's a lot of problems with that, um, and it, and there's no real like logical reasoning given for why this would be true over some other system. Um, now, this is a bit it's a bit complicated, and this is where you get into uh, uh, systems problems because when you don't really have principled reasoning for something, it's very easy to become very dogmatic about it and nobody really understands the system uh, and things like this is where you have problems with certain systems like this especially personality type systems where there's a lot to learn there's a lot to understand and you know there's a lot to uncover especially with all these different Type um, different functions. There's eight functions here, and so I don't I don't characterize them as cognitive functions or you know dom- dominant functions. More 
as and and this is what the author of this book uh where I'm getting this from and this is something that I've known for a while but you know, I've only had somebody really state this uh, really well on this book until recently and was just like yes I kind of uh, completely agree because there's a serious problem with only having it in this way and it's it's only uh you know there are um certain problems with doing that but that's another episode um because i guess i can try and go into it because it's really interesting but to me at least i know most people are going to be bored by this but um the reason why this is well, the reason why i'm not a big fan of this this only this way system is because most things aren't really like this like even the uh systems where they say per- personality is more or less stable um it's been shown that even that that even if it is stable it can be changed and you have to change and and it and it is hard work to be fair and it's something you have to do you can't just like imagine it to change and it will change and things like this it has to be done in certain ways and things like this to make it work but it can be changed it can be done it's almost like it's more accurate to point out that there are certain set points. And this is something that's true for happiness as well. Like, say if you have a normal happiness set point of 5 out of 10, you can increase this, right? And this has happened. You can increase this to 7 or 8 um, temporarily. But then it'll go back to 5. Uh, but over time, if you can increase it more and more, you can maybe get your set point up to maybe 6 or seven or eight based on some other other practices. That's really what it's all about. It's not about like these things are static. They don't change. They don't really move. Um, and there is a reason why when it comes to most of these the uh, personality d- descriptions of the uh, the, uh, co- the these uh, functions, young and the Jungian functions is a. Uh, the, a lot of them are very, um, and this isn't really, I don't know if this is a fault of the descriptors themselves, or meaning the people giving the descriptions, or the fault of the uh, vagueness of the descriptions or in the first place. But a lot of the descriptions could be described in another uh, and uh, by different things. Like, for instance, like extroverted intuition could be... Uh, now, there are certain descriptions, things that have been given to extroverted intuition that could be described as something else. Um, or not put in at all. Like, there's a lot of descriptors like this. Like I said, this practice is because of the, the people, you know, describing it are poor at describing it. Or, you know, the, the, the expert intuition has such a... And it is a very abstract um, thing that exists all kind of intuition is that it is really hard to describe and really um like simple words like and so you have to make words make it more abstract in that kind of way um which is why another reason why it's really important to give practical examples of this um but of course it's easy to uh see the only the examples and i've seen this a lot with personality types as well where you have certain types <clears throat> that exist and and online and stuff you can look at this and what people do is they they say oh this is this in this example they give this example and they give this example like for instance like 
a certain personality type, they would say the person is cold, individualistic, and all this other stuff. While that is a generalization, it could be generally true. It isn't specifically true to one or another person. That's one of the problems with examples. doesn't mean the examples are wrong, but it is one thing to consider as well. So there's there's both problems there, like where it can go to extract abstract problems where it's not it's too abstract, and then there's problems where there's you can focus too heavily on um, descriptors and examples. Um, something that I'm I'm actually currently working on because it's one of the problems with some of my episodes. You know, perhaps there's not enough examples, and perhaps there's not enough like actual simple understanding in terms. But you know, what are the a lot of that has to do with the fact that I am not, you know, and I'm not a censor. I'm not, you know, into these other types of personality types in the first place. But anyways, um, so going into this book was really interesting because um, there's a lot of deeper quality stuff that was pointed out in this book. And I don't want to go page by page, paragraph by paragraph, or chapter by chapter, really. But what I want to try and do is is explain how different personalities can seem a certain way than they than they really are in things like this. And there's different like levels to this where it can go into um, this uh, problem of going extremely you know, wrong in certain ways. Like, there's there's certain problems with personality types in the first place where what, what, what you'll see and what you'll notice. And I've seen this with a lot of people. And you see this a lot with, actually, a good example of this where this really goes wrong is uh, astrology. Um, you see this a lot with astrology where uh, they do the same same thing with personality types. It's a really good example because a lot of people go into astrology and they say, "Oh God, this person is an Aries and he's all combative and all this other stuff," not no, not realizing and not even pointing out and or understanding that not all Aries will be like this. Not to mention that astrology is really a pseudoscience in many cases. But um, that's one of the reasons why, when it comes to any kind of personality theory. What I usually do is I take the good parts and I, I leave the bullshit. Like a lot of personality typing is uh, is honestly bullshit. It's, it's honestly based on their the the um, person who made the personality types in the first place is understanding preferences and understandings and preferences. Doesn't mean that they're wrong. Like I said, there's there's elements of truth in them, but the problem is that most of the time they're based on. Um, certain rigid rules, and sometimes they're very hard to follow. And the MBTI is a very good example of this. Doesn't mean that they're like d- deliberately doing this, or it's an intentional thing. It's more about the fact of where there's a certain problem where that you can kind of find yourself in. And this is one of the reasons why I try not to um, make things a truly definitive thing, where it's like, oh, it's this, and then not that. Because one one of the problems that you'll run into is that you'll have and find yourself with cases and um, people that differ from this. 
and it's one of the reasons why I like simpler personality theories than others. You know, there's a the curacy model, which is actually much, uh, in some ways, much simpler, but also much more accurate as a result. Like that's one of the reasons why simpler is usually better when it comes to this. Like the Big Five, um, as well as is a good example because it's it's simpler, but it works. Um, while the sixteen personalities is more. I don't even want to say more complicated. The problem isn't that it's complicated. The problem is that there's always these edge cases that that prove prove the rule. Like for instance, you're going to always have you're going to have people who aren't going to be full extroverts or introverts. There's people that are called ambiverts, which are which means that there are people who are between introversion and introversion and uh, extroversion, um, where they can be sometimes they can be you know, more extroverted and sometimes they're more introverted, but they're basically in between those two, you know. But but uh, another problem, too, is that just because they're somebody is more of an introvert does not mean that they can't be extroverted. They can't be you know, chatty. They can't be all these things that so-called extroverts are. It just means that introversion, introverts get their information, uh, their their energy from other places rather than from these kinds of things. Um, but that's one of the reasons why when it comes to personality types, like if I were to try and, and literally make an episode about personality typing and what, and how personality typing goes wrong, it could literally be like an 11-hour episode. And most people would be like, man, this is boring. I don't really care. Because it's really not. It's really It's really not that important. It can help you more to understand these things, but one of the problems that you'll run into is an over rigidity where it's like um, too focused on these minute uh, traits over others. Um, you know, where like like a good example is like what I said the MBTI, where it says only if you're if you're if your test is this, that means that your dominant is this. That means that your dominant can't not be this. Um, you know, that's very, it's a very, you know, one of the problems that I have with it. It's very rigid. It's very much against the the problems of, of this. The, the problem with this is that it, there is no evidence to support this. Um, and that's one of the things that the book, this book was talking about. So one of the problems that I have is, of this as well is that there's no real reason given for this. Um, a lot, a lot of the reasons that they give for this are very like, um, I don't even want to say hard to understand, but they're like exo exoteric and they're, they, they depend on certain other, um, you know, rigid kind of understandings and principles. Like I said, it doesn't mean it's wrong and it can, and it could mean that that is the norm, but that doesn't mean that that is the only way that could be. Um, for instance, like somebody could be an INFP, they could type be typed as an INFP. That means that their dominant would be introverted feeling. Now that could be true, but it also could be completely wrong because you know their their um, extroverted intuition is higher than their introverted feeling. Um, and so when you take these personality types uh, tests, it, and a lot of them are. Um, I'd be worried about what the, what the result is. I'd I'd look more into the descript uh, to the personality type afterwards, 
to make sure that that's type the right type because otherwise you find yourself being mistyped and things like this but um what the ones that i like when it comes to this are the ones that give you the percentages you know like introverted you know thinking percentage would be like 80 percent and the extroverted thinking would be 13 percent or 20 percent or something like this and those are the better ones because those are giving you accurate model numbers versus the other ones that are just, no, this is the way it is, this is the why. This is, and they don't really give you the, this is why. Um, and I'm, I'm not really into the uh, kind of situation where they don't under, give you the, this is why. And it's one of the problems that I've had with a lot of personality theories in the first place is that most of the time they don't really give you that this is why they just go oh, this is what is true and and that's it and um there's certain problems with doing that one of them is that it leads to a dogmatic rigidness another one is that you can't really then um explain to you know like a more logically and scientifically minded person why your theory is more accurate than someone else's theory now it isn't always easy to ask, this is why. But but with the simpler ones, for instance, like the big five, there really is no need for this is why. Because there's no there's no like need for the, an underlying structure. You can pretty much get the underlying structure pretty easily. Now, all you really have to understand is that this is openness to experience. And this is why would be interesting and useful, but it's not necessary. But because they make it rigid and it's it's very rigid, like saying, oh, introverted thinking is the dominant, you almost have to ask the question, why? Why would that be dominant rather than the extroverted intuition with that one? Makes no sense, makes no logical sense, and it makes your, your whole theory look very rigid and very um, uh, prone to, you know, failing on, on occasion. That's one of the reasons why... I would rather trust verifiable data over what somebody tells you that isn't verifiable. And that's one of the reasons why logic is more important than feelings and emotions and morals and things like this. But that's when we're getting into all these problems because... Um, and one day I might do like an episode or a group of episodes on personality um, differences and problems because I think there's a serious problem that I, that I can uh, literally point to right now where people will look at somebody not even really know their type like it's really in- interesting actually because a lot of these types or not really even types but preferences that you can show like introverted thinking and things like this kind of show up in certain ways like um you know for example like introverted thinking would be somebody who's more you know uh, you know perhaps perhaps more skeptical more you know things like this um and those things show up pretty easily like there's some things that really don't show up very easily which is probably one of the reasons why there's lack of descriptions for them like extroverted intuition i can see how it doesn't really show up too well because it's very abstract and there's not a whole lot of, um, like you're not getting the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The inside, you're you're not getting the inside view. Like for instance, 
like with a more introverted type of uh, skill, like introverted thinking, you may be getting like the uh, the um, the end process, meaning skeptical, skeptical, being skeptical, being you know logical, you know things like this, being more aloof and things like this, but you don't really get like the other the um the the starting point elements of this like what does this mean what does that mean am, am i right about this could this be wrong things like this you know there's like a, there's different levels that personality theorists will be a will be able to really grasp because they're not unless they are themselves this particular type um being talked about and that's one of the problems as well that you you can kind of find yourself in where because you yourself are only going to be like a particular type uh, or particular way, somebody else who's going to be a different way, you're going to look at them and go, oh, they're different in this way and this way and this way. But that's only – you're going, you're only really going to see is behavior. Like, for instance, you're going to see that this person is – unless they're more open, you're going to see this person is more aloof, you know, more introverted, more cold, more objective, more logical, things like this. But you're not really going to see the inner workings unless they're very – direct very open in this kind of way and so that can kind of skew results as well and it kind of makes things seem more it makes things seem different to other people and it's one of the interesting weird um nuances of um what's the word i'm looking for here Human connectivity, perhaps. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. But, like, basically what, uh, the weird uh, difference that the word ways in which people will differ uh, make different problems and uh, different uh, kind of, like, interactions. Like, for instance, somebody who is more, you know, warm, loving, and, and caring, and, like, outgoing and things like this who runs into somebody who would be more, like, cold, aloof, and, uh, not really cold and aloof, but, you know, enjoys a long time more and things like this, the person who's more warm and outgoing will, will see this person as not liking them, when, in, in reality, the person may not, not like them, but the person may also not like them as well, you know, the person might be more neutral about the person, but the, the other person sees that as not liking the per other person, you know, this kind of thing. And this is where you have uh, different nuances and different, like, variations on different themes. And um, there's different hundreds of hours of, of, of uh, stuff I can go over with that one. Like, I'm trying not to go too deeply into detail, but it is one of those episodes where it's probably going to go into a lot of detail because there's a lot of variations and themes and nuances that go into all of this. You know, for instance, like a, a, for a person who, say you, you, you take somebody who is more, um, you know, into the, this realm of introversion, you'll say, like a good example is like an INTP with, uh, versus somebody who has like extroverted sensing, sensing. basically what, basically, basically what extroverted sensing is, is somebody who focuses more on reality, um, like in, in certain ways. And, um, so you take this person, you take the INTP or whatever, and the INTP will not realize that something has happened. Like, 
know, perhaps the uh, vacuum was, you know, maybe they're starting the vacuum and didn't realize that the vacuum was not plugged in, but the person with extroverted sensing would notice that automatically because that's that's where their functions are. Uh, that's where their preferences are. And so that extroverted person, sensing person would be like, how did you not know that? How did you not see that in front of you? But the INTP's uh, perspective is not directed towards outer reality in this way. Um, it's one of the reasons why INTPs can kind of penetrate pretty deeply into things. Um, because, And uh, that's also one of the reasons why they're it's it's harder for them to see outer reality because they're not built in a in a kind of like a wiring sense to see outer reality directly like extroverted sensors are so like an INTP would would go deeply into like they would go really and learn about something scientific and and things like this um which requires a lot of thought requires a lot of you know logic and principles and things like this and because the INTP has intuition they would also be able they would also have a very rich imagination so they can imagine things and that would make things very hard to it it makes things very hard to actually sense reality reality directly um unless of course an INTP could have a higher level of you know extra sensing but you know that that is another problem but um, and so what, what that creates is a disconnect. That person, that extroverted sensor person goes, how did they not know that it was there? You know, maybe say an ITP knocks something over. The extroverted per- sensing person or any kind of like sensing person perhaps would say that, see that and go, what, what, did, how did you not see that being there? Um, you know, somebody has sensing dominant, extroverted sensing in particular, probably, but uh, the INTP didn't see it because their their minds don't really stop like most people's minds. You know, most people have a problem with focusing and doing, and uh, you know, things like this. Like most people have a problem like focusing. Um, from what I've heard, you know, a lot of people have problems with focusing and and. INTPs would probably not have a problem, you know, with that because they're already in their minds and their minds go so fast with things that, like, it's really one of those things. It's th- imagine like, um, <clears throat> imagine a computer that had one hundred bits of data that it, it the only the only um. So basically, think of think of your attention as in percentages, right? Like, for instance, forty percent of your attention could be uh, geared towards what I'm saying. The other sixty or fifty could be geared towards what your thoughts about what I'm saying. The other ten or five percent or whatever could be geared towards more what the environment is around you, like. You know, maybe you're driving. Maybe you're you have to you have to keep an eye on the the road, and so you're kind of like the driving is on automatic automatic pilot, but it may not be completely out of your attention at the same time. And so, in the same way, the ITP's attention would be more like eighty percent, ninety percent thought and imagination versus ten percent reality. But that reality is not. Because it's not at your extroverted sensing that INTPs are um, 
you know, geared towards. There's is introverted sensing, which is more about reality and case and and senses of memory. Like, oh, I remember this thing that happened. I remember this, you know, uh, and familiar things and things like this. Is you know, this is according to the the model of uh, MBTI and things like this. But and so that leaves very little room for actual, uh, you know, looking at reality directly if any room at all, because extroverted sensing would be at a lower scale. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, it doesn't mean that the extroverted sensing is not something that in INTPs cannot use, but it is less on their radar of attention, and so th- th- it makes it harder for them to, uh, you know, look at these uh, actual reality things in this kind of way. Record. Speech off. Now, it's not that one is better than another. Extroverted sensing is not necessarily better than introverted thinking or any of this type of stuff. It depends. It, um, it, it's more about uh, context and where you are in that current moment. Like if you're, um, you know, in the st- if you're ready to call- cross a street, right, if you are not focused on direct reality you may start crossing when it's not a good idea to cross because you're too focused on your thoughts and things like this but if you're actually trying to solve a problem like investigatively or or forensically or whatever it would actually pay better if you were focused on your thoughts and what what you know these tests would mean in this scientific kind of what language and stuff like this and so different different um preferences call for different approaches to reality. Not that one is better or worse, one is just different, and one is just useful for different circumstances. Um, and the I could see easily enough the INTP being more suited towards problem-solving so- problem uh, arenas because it would be a, a good way of getting the mind going and the getting the mind into a problem really easily because it's something that 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 works within INTP in, in a lot of cases like you can I could see that working in in many instances right um so what I want to do is to take a break um because in this little segment because I'm going on a little bit way too longer than I wanted to go on here uh there's a lot more detail than I wanted to put into this but I think what I'm going to try and do more of is, is do a lot of these more detailed um, episodes because they may bring you more understanding of things versus like the way I try and do things before, which is what most people try and do. It's like definitive and things like this, but that's not really what I'm suited to do. And I've explained why that is a little bit on this episode already. Um, but since I re- went over a lot of the more complex parts already... I will try and simplify this and dumb this down a little bit more because there's a lot to go over and there's there's a lot more that I can go into. Um, but anyways, hope you like this episode so far. It is a bit of a um, convoluted episode. But anyways, I'll talk to you on the next part of this episode. So some final, some, some um, other points I want to point out before I get into the big point here is I'm not... <clears throat> A licensed practitioner of any of this stuff. 
I'm not coming out from this from a place of like, oh, I know everything about these personality points. I'm not a licensed practitioner. I'm not an official practitioner. I'm not somebody who's a spokesman for these this group. I'm just somebody who knows a little bit, a lot of bit, honestly, in, in a lot of ways, about this. But I'm no, by no means a definitive master of these these subjects um and i'm not speaking um as the author of this book i'm not somebody who's saying that this is what the author would think but i'm just give um the the reason why i'm giving this book actually is, is not really to to say oh this is what i'm saying this is right it's more to to explain to you the intricacies of this model and stuff like that it's not really so you can go, oh, prove it, uh, uh, prove it and everything. I say, oh, wow. Like, it's not really necessary to even get a whole bunch of detail. I mean, you can do that if you want. But it's more about, like, you can look at it and go, wow, this is interesting. There's a lot more depth than I originally thought. Um, but getting on to the subject of depth, depth, there's a certain problem that you that enters into a lot of depth and complications. And... This is something I'm not really sure what the solution is, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong that 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 uh, the people that this is a fault of anybody or anything along these lines. So much as I am saying that the bigger the model, and there's a, there's an expression. I forget who said it. But the bigger the mo- the the better the model, the bigger the problem, and I'm not exactly sure what the person meant by saying this, but my interpretation of this is that the better the model, the bigger the chance it is that this model is one overcomplicated, two it isn't representative of each individual person. Like all you can really do is in 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 case of in in cases of personality portrait portraits is give you give you like very generalistic examples and all you can really do from there and this is what I I tell people this is I made an episode about this a, a long time ago a year or two, two ago basically telling people that just because some test online says that you're an ENFs, EN, uh, an ESFJ or or an INTP or an INFP doesn't mean that every characteristic that this personality test is saying is you is you. What it means is that 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 could be a general point to be said is that that is you, partially. And so what I've I've said to people and my, I've made this point and um, I, I was either it was an episode on this podcast or it was on my YouTube channel. Be well informed, but basically what I said was, when it comes to any personality portrait or theory or understanding or any kind of thing whatsoever, take anything with a grain of salt. Um, you know, if there is something that applies to you, great. Keep keep going. Add that to the list of things that applies to you. Um, and if, but if so, there's something that doesn't. Don't add it to the things that apply to you. And this is how you personalize 
personality. This is really what it ultimately boils down to because you're an individual person. You are not a robot of that fits a particular um, personality portrait, whatever that might be. Actually, there's a book called Personality Portrait, which is actually really interesting, too, because it's more overarching versus... Um, and this is one of the things that I've actually um, wanted to make an episode about, but wasn't sure how to put in words. But there's a there's a kind of a different uh, style and level of um, personality that science usually gives you versus most personality por- uh, understandings and types. Like, the big five is overarching. And what I mean by this is that there are certain things that you're going to be doing throughout your life that aren't necessarily going to be um, supporting introverted thinking. For instance, like, this is a good example, right? Um, Because you're going to be, you know, imagination doesn't necessarily require introverted thinking. That might be more more of an intuitive thing. Um, but there are things that usually do show up and are part of life in most, and if not all occasions, which is why, which is what, which are things that are overarching. Um, doesn't mean the thing, the things that are not overarching are not useful. They are useful, but they're not, um, they're not something... <laughs> That, that predicts a uh, structure more so much as it is things that predict content in a lot of ways they can, they can show you structure but only a, kind of in a, like an indirect way unfortunately that's one of the problems with, that most personality uh, type being has is that most of it comes from content most of it goes into content it doesn't mean that it's not, it can, you can't figure out your own structure based on this but it does mean that most of it will be content-based because most people focus on content over structure in the first place. And then I want, to make, I want to make an episode about how to go structure over content in the future because there's a lot to this. And I've made an episode about this in the past, but didn't release it because it was it was not very good. And it was, honestly, it was probably one of the worst episodes I've ever made um, because it's it wasn't really giving you examples and things like this. And there, and there wasn't really giving you too many principled um, ways of going structural using your own mind using understandings and things like this um, so going back to this this uh, quote the big the bigger the better the model the bigger the problem why is this the case right so and I, I want to make an episode about this whole overarching thing in the future because that's really an, uh, a structural thing as well but uh Going into this whole, the better, the better the model, the bigger the problem thing, um, there's a certain level of, what's the word I want to use? Disconnectedness and um, misconception slash, not really even misconception so much as missed, th- things that you're going to miss, um, if you only focus or mostly focus on on model of whatever it is like for instance like if you look at personality theory if you look at like mbti and things like this 
you're going to miss things that are going to differ from MBTI. You're going to be missing things that are actually really essential to you that are not necessarily going to be MBTI based. Um, and so there are, there, are, there are models that are not going to be, you know, giving you these, these big theories and things like this. Um, which is often why I say simple is best, even though I do go complicated. But when I go complicated, what I try and do with it is not give you, like, detailed models. I go, this means this, only this, not this, or that, or this, or this. What I try and do instead is give you, like, a frame of reference. Like, um, this whole episode is basically a frame of reference. So I'm like, honestly, this whole podcast is a frame of reference, where it's, like, trying to... I mean, the beginning level of it was more like, do you can do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But what I've been trying to do, especially lately, is give you a a, a frame, or multiple frames even, to to help you understand and see the world better. And there's there's certain problems with doing this. Because, like I said, you can miss things that don't fit into your frame, and this is something that happens a lot and and... I've talked about this, and this is one thing to put into account when looking at things from this frame. Um, but the reason why I do this anyways is because you can understand more even if you do miss things. Um, and so I think it's about finding a balance between not having a frame or having a frame. But the difference between like the frame that you would normally have, which is most people have the frame anyways... But the frame that normal people have is not a self-aware, self-conscious frame. Like, what I try and do with these frames of reference is give you um, a kind of way of becoming self-aware of the frame. Uh, becoming self-aware of any frame. And not even going into... Because the, there's different levels to a frame of reference. And I want to go... I want to make an episode perhaps about this in the future, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot of episodes I said I want to make in the future, but I never have, but that's another problem, but anyways, so there's different, there's, there's different, like, levels to frames, like, you can, you could have the frame of reference, most, most of that is content, most, most of that is going to be shown to you kind of, like, indirectly, right, like, you can have a conservative frame of reference, for instance, right, but most of that is going to be content, like, um, you know, Democrats are bad, you know, taxes are bad, ta- you know, t- taxes on the rich are bad, things like this. But what I try and do is help you go meta on the frame, so you kind of create a meta frame, like, oh, this conservative worldview is based on this, you know, maybe stage blue, spiral dynamic, stage orange, spiral dynamics. But then we can go even deeper, we can go into the principled... Uh, reason why conservative uh, politics exist and things like this. Um, I've done this with a lot of different frames. And then you can even go beyond this to where you go, okay, so we've talked about spiral dynamics, right? We talked about how, you know, spiral dynamics creates conservatism and liberalism and things in between, but we haven't talked about the, the meta frame of spiral dynamics, why, why spiral, spiral dynamics, why this, why principles, um, you know, I made that episode, um, principles versus morals, going into why principles are more important, in my opinion, than morals, because morals are usually based on, in, in, there's a philosophy, uh, um, actually that, that goes into this, but there's a philosophy that goes into this really well, 
uh, I think it's called a motivist. But anyways, there's, there's a idea there's, that I've had for a while that says that morals, most morals, and even most judgments, are not based on, like, principles. Um, they're based on emotion. Like, for instance, if a moral is, like, say you have a moral, like, murder is bad. It's not based on a principle that says murder is bad because when people, when you murder, you add to your psychological suffering. You can cause consequences for yourself. You can cause consequences for others. You know, you, you're literally ending somebody's awareness if you assume that awareness comes from the body. Things like this, right? That, that That's principled um, morals. That's coming from logic itself. <clears throat> Versus what most people do is say murder is bad, uh, but it's mostly in like an emotional or like... Um, there's different like there's different philosophies around this, but some of them some philosophy one philosophy says morals are steady in emotion. That says I, you know, don't want somebody to murder me. Things like this, right? There's, so there's different levels to this. So one philosophy says that murders are, are about like affirming something good, like life is life is good, or something like this. Um, um, things like this, right? And. And I'm kind of going way off topic here, and I'm trying to to uh, shorten this one particular segment because I'm I'm you know going to try and sleep in a minute, but who knows how well that's going to end up. But anyways, so the morals are based mostly on emotion, versus what I explained to you earlier was principled, logical understanding of why murder is bad, uh, which is not really based on moral morals and not based on some uh, obscure. Or not explained reasons of right and wrong, but based on principles, based on logic. You know, like for instance, why would abortion be bad to somebody if you could use principled, logical understanding? Because I'm not, I'm not talking about like the uh, official um, version of logic that philosophy uses. I'm talking just plain logical understanding, right? So what would be a good, so, so what would be some good principled, logical understandings of why abortion would be bad? Or why abortion would be good. Let's try and figure that out together, right? Like, abortion would be bad because it ends life. Like, if people assume that awareness is in the body and awareness is caused by the body or the brain, which some people do, then ending that awareness would be bad because then that awareness couldn't grow up. You know, perhaps that abortion, you know, what... If you aborted a baby that could have cured cancer in the future, so... That abortion was based, you know, that abortion was, you know, causing more murders in the future, more more deaths in the future, um, things like this. Of course, there's the other opposite where it's like, would you kill, you know, there's this moral dilemma that people have faced, have, uh, not really faced, but have uh, talked about that says, would you kill baby Hitler, something similar to the abortion argument, right? You know, maybe many people would say yes, but think about it, right? Because if you had baby Hitler, you could direct him properly. You can condition him, you can condition him, and you can change him into something different. And perhaps if Hitler does grow up to rule Germany, it would be in a different way. Um, And so there's reasons, logical reasons, why 
murder is bad or why abortion is bad. And so why would abortion be not really good? I wouldn't say good, but why would abortion, why would you choose then to be pro-choice? Um, logically, principally, whatever. Um, you know, this is where it gets interesting because then you can kind of argue from both sides, right? So freedom of choice means choosing the wrong choice. Freedom of choice, um, you know, if you are pro, if, if you uh, are trying to argue, the, if you try to understand the other side's points, perhaps it's a good idea to try to argue the other side's points. Um, in your own head, if not anywhere else, and then you can look at to see what they say in real life and things like this. But you know, that's another, another interesting uh, side project. <laughs> um, but anyways, logical, principled reasons why abortion pro-choice would be good as well. You know, what if somebody doesn't want to keep the baby? What if that is a you know a, a, in their minds a sign of not having you know freedom. You know, what if the person was raped? What if the person was going to be Hitler that was going to be born? Things like this, right? Um, now, it doesn't mean that you never take a side. It doesn't mean that when you have a principle, when when you work based on principles and, and based on logic, that you never say, no, this is wrong, or no, you shouldn't do this. W- what you do is you explain why, and... There's where the difference is, because what most people do is they say, no, don't do this. And then, you know, you, you, what you have is a, like a, a questioning person going, why? Why why shouldn't I do that? And most people will just say, just don't do it, just because I said so. You know, if, you know most people, parents do this with their children, and <clears throat> certain reasons why that's wrong. One of them is because it, it can kind of create resentment. It doesn't really help you with your your child. It doesn't really your child doesn't really understand morals the way that you do, and it it creates mind. It creates groupthink, and what what do I mean by this? Uh, is what I mean by this is that you you could be doing this to your child, and when he grows up, ten, twenty, thirty years later, he could create a cult. He could create a genocide based on some of these ideas because there's no reason, there's no principled logic that he was taught when he was a child, things like this. So there's principled reasons why you should do this. Now, there there are times when you can, you, you may have to do it in this way. You, you have to say, okay, you need to do this right now. Um, perhaps we can skip the why for later, something like that, right? But in most occasions, I think that's a, a why is a good thing to have. Uh, otherwise, you don't really understand yourself. You don't really understand your others, and you're not having self-awareness. But anyways, segment sec, second segment of the episode, and I'll touch on the next one. So, input recording duration pro speech off. You may be th- wondering to yourself, what does any of this whole principles and logic thing have to do with the differences between personality? And the answer is that people, different people have different styles. People are more in uh, thinking, and some people are more feeling. And so when a feeling type sees a thinking type, you know, 
who is especially going to be more principled and logical in this way, you know, a feeling type, especially if a thinking type is going after their points, may think that they're actually criticizing them and, you know, things like this. But actually what they're doing is they're criticizing their principles, not them themselves. Um, but a feeling type doesn't necessarily see, necessarily see it in this kind of way. And this is what happens when you have personality problems. Um <clears throat> And it gets back to the other problem that happens. And this is probably one of the bigger problems that we have in science and psychology. Because there's this big myth that people, a lot of scientifically minded people and scientists themselves and other people uh, get wrong. And they say that science is objective. Um, And there's a couple problems with this. Number one is that people are not objective. That's just not possible. Like, even if you, like, because w- the reason why they claim this is because, you know, you're, you're measuring you're measuring in- instruments with the naked eye. You're not measuring with the naked eye and you're measuring with instruments. But the thing is that you're doing all this interpreting. You're doing all this framing. And <clears throat> that buy-in in itself is, is causing bias and causing problems. And there's been time, times where science has been wrong and scientists have been wrong and when they've been pointed out that they were wrong, you know, they, I've, I've talked about this example before, but, you know, there was a, a scientist, a, a medical, a medical doctor who, you know, explained to people that if you don't wash your hands after you handle a dead body before you go into a surgery or whatever, or something along these lines, like if you don't wash your hands after doing surgeries, you know, you're going to get people sicker and things like this. And a lot of scientists at the time were like, you're dumb, this is stupid, and, and put him in a mental institution for believing this. Turns out he was right, and scientists was wrong. This is what you get when you have, and this is one of the reasons why I don't, and this is one of the reasons why I say that consensus isn't necessarily science. Doesn't mean that they're wrong, doesn't mean that the consensus is um, wrong, because... I, I could probably make you could probably make the argument and it would probably be a moderately accurate thing to say um to say that consensus is usually going to be more objective than just an individual uh point of view. Record. You know, for instance, like if there's a scientist that says the Earth is flat, and most of the scientists agree the Earth is not flat, you can generally count on that to be true. But the problem is, is that their scientists are people too, and are guilty of the same biases as other people. And in fact, there's been studies show, showing that scientists are just as biased, if not more biased, towards you know their own science and science itself than than most people. Uh, and, you know, it's not something that you can just drill out of people, unfortunately. Record. So I'll get into this in the next segment, because there's a lot to digest, and I have to go do some things, so. Anyways, hope you like this episode so far. I'm trying to wrap this up, and I want to end it with this last point about the Big Five system and the problems with it. And uh, how a lot of the big five and a lot of the personality disorders, and this is something that a book um, was talking about, which made me really think about this. 
um, is actually, you know, there's a possibility of cultural bias and cultural norms influencing this, and uh, that this is causing problems and causing, you know, bias where there shouldn't be. Um, so we'll get into this and other things in this episode. Record. So, going to try and end this episode, and what I want, what I might do in the future is actually go really into these this whole personality um, nuance and variation with more examples, mostly examples and some simple uh, structural points to help point out this problem because I, I really went over on this one uh, and it wasn't really my intention to do that, but it is what ended up happening. But anyways, I will try and simply go over some of the serious problems that are presented with with uh, personality disorders and, and the big five and, and things like this, right? Um, because our culture has a normalcy bias, and it's clearly evident in science and psychology and psychology and science, and <clears throat> it creates certain problems because what we have and and and. Psychology is the big five, which is you know extroversion. We have openness to experience, conscientiousness. Um, we have what are the other ones? You know things like you know what it is: extroversion, open openness to experience, conscientiousness, uh, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Right. Um, but the problem is, is that all of these traits are, well, besides not neuroticism, which is not, honestly, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it, neuroticism is, I don't even know if it even should be on there, because it's not really, like, something that I would measure in people, but besides neuroticism, especially, um, but especially including extroversion in, in this list, um, most of these are giving you positive traits and giving you negatives that come with it. Rather than what what it should be is a, a spectrum, like what it is with the Jungian type system, where it's, it's not done in this way where it's like thinking is better than feeling, like it's not done in this way. Thinking, it's more like thinking it is on a spectrum with feeling. But not with this. So with this one, it's, it's a lot more complex. There's a lot. There's it's a lot less complex. And this is one of the problems with going a little too simple, is that what you find yourself doing. And this is a problem we have in in science and in psychology is we have a, a cultural bias that says that extroversion is good, you know, conscientiousness is good because that's what most people do, because mo- what most people do is considered to be normal, you know. But just because it is normal doesn't mean it's healthy and it doesn't mean it's something that everybody needs to do. doesn't mean that everybody's going to be built to do that and should be built to do that. Now, there are people who are introverts and that's nothing to be afraid of and to be frowned upon like with psychology. Um, so what we have is a, is, a, is a biased community of scientists and psychologists who, like I said, are just like everybody else who are normal, who are, you know, capable by it, just like everyone else, right? But because we have this, like, this kind of, like, mystique of sorts, 
when it comes to science that says, oh, science is objective, that means these people must be objective. But that's not necessarily what that means. And I've explained why this is before. And I've explained why this is in this episode. And so you have a trait like extroversion. And extroversion is a is the cultural bias that our, our society has. So that, you know, psychology will then say that introversion is a more negative trait, according to them, but that's only because of the way that they're perceiving it. See, the problem is that their their uh, their uh, descriptions of introversion itself is the problem, because a lot of the descriptions are um, outwardly based and not inwardly based, meaning that. So I'll give you an example, right? So with extroversion, the descriptions are things like outgoing, bold, assertive, things like this, right? But with introversion, the descriptions are also outwardly based, meaning the the descriptions are not of inward behavior, but are of outward experience. And that's exactly the opposite of what is actually happening. And this is exactly missing the point of introversion in the first place. So introversion would be something like loner, cold, you know, you know, aloof, you know, things like this. And these certain ter- terms have been perceived by others who have been given these descriptions. Like there's been these studies that have been done that have actually shown that these people, they, uh, what, you, what they did is they have a, have a bunch of people acting the certain way that the description tells them to act. Like, if you're extroverted, you act the way the descriptions are as an extrovert. But if you're an introvert actor, you're supposed to act like the descriptions of an introvert. But because the introvert descriptions are only of outward base, and they're, it's almost like a behaviorist kind of uh, mentality where it's like... And um, behaviorism is another problem in itself. Because even though they say that behaviorism is gone, they still have a lot of it within their terminology and, and a lot of their definitions and this is a good example of this but they what they do is they use these words that are mostly outwardly based um rather than like explaining truly what introversion is because either they don't understand it or they're biased against it because of their cultural norms or they themselves have been um you know maybe they were once themselves introverts who, you know, got convinced into this, this this myth that introversion is bad and is negative and is, you know, associated with more, more neuroticism. And the reason why that might be the case is why introversion might be associated with more neuroticism is because of the ways in which it's perceived. And this is a good example of how this is working. Um, because these studies and these, these, uh, prescript, these descriptions of introversion are showing why this would be the case. It's not because introversion is more negative innately. It's because introversion is perceived as more negative, and so people treat them that way. And people try and make them out to be, and try and make them into extroverts. Um, And that doesn't really work. And that doesn't really help people, and it doesn't really solve their problem. And if I guarantee you, if they did a study where they actually learned what introverts are, what they do from other people. And if they were to do this study where, basically I could see this where 
what they would do is they they gather a bunch of introverts, so-called introverts, together. And one group would try and act like extroverts, right? And one group would try and do extroverted or introverted things. You know, maybe they would hang out as a group for some things, but mostly they would be doing mostly just introverted things the whole time, right? And then look at the description, the uh, the happiness meter after that, because that would show you a different a different problem, a different uh, thing there. Because you're not getting the same bias as the extroversion bias as you would be getting, and you you see a lot of this with the mental health um, problems as well, because a lot of them are based on our biased culture of things. Uh, in this book, in this book, uh, the INTP secret, uh, the secret lives of INTPs goes into this. As well, because there's a lot of uh, INTP descriptions and uh, things that that could be seen as a, a mental disorder, you know, ADD and things like this. Um, and in reality, people are just different, and that normalcy bias is playing a role in keeping people from really looking deeply at somebody. And this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a big fan of like. Well, you know, I've talked about a lot of this stuff, but like looking before you leap to conclusions. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I don't listen to the consensus, um, what science consensus says. I'd rather look to evidence to data. Now, if consensus of evidence and data says something, sure, perhaps. But also perhaps there's, there's biases involved that are, that are skewing that data in certain ways. That's happened before and that's shown to happen. Even, you know, you can't, you can't um you can't really equate for that even if you do like double blind studies because if if you have a a culture a normalcy culture that is a certain way an extroversion bias or whatever if you do a double blind study chances are that you're you're all, every every single science or most of the scientists there and the psychologists there are going to be corrupted by this normalcy bias and so that's going to play a role in your in your study just as much as any other kind of bias would if it weren't a double-blind study. This is one of the reasons why you can't just trust what science says, and, and science is not an objective thing. So, um, the majority of, well, not, I don't have to say majority, but most of the people, so there's basically four different personality Types that Kiersey has found in his his research and his work. Um, he has a book, and I actually downloaded it recently. I'm, I might do a, a review on it because it's kind of interesting. Called "Please Understand Me." I think there's "Please Understand Me" and then there's "Please Understand Me Too," which is what I downloaded. And there's four basic personality types based on his you know, understandings of things, right? And So, the types are, um, and some people have different names for these, um, but generally I think that these are the names that people give to it. So the the, the first the, the the first type is the uh, the most common type is the uh, what you could call I think it's called the guardian. Where basically what the guardian is is keeping in all traditions. Uh, in a sense, like what the guardian does is protects things the way they are. 
keeps things the way they are. They're very like, conscientious and things like this. this. Is what our society is made out of. It is it, it it's it's what our cultural bias is, and favor of. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a culture of bias, but there's a certain uh, there's a certain um, lack of objectivity that creates. Assuming that objectivity is a real thing in the first place, so that's that's another episode. <laughs> Um, and I'm not saying that objectivity doesn't exist, by the way, that is, I have actually said that in the past, but I'm just, I'm, I'm coming to perhaps see that objectivity is perhaps not the right word for it because it's an overused word and it, it, it implies something that it may not necessarily mean anyways, but that's a, that's another episode. Um, perhaps I'll make that in the, in the, in the far future because I'm, I'm still developing that theory, but. Anyways, so Guardians are, you know, and I haven't really read the book yet, but Guardians are, you know, just protector-y type people. They're, they're, they protect the system the way it is. They, they keep it and they guard it. Um, but there's four basic types, right? And so we have a normal, the most normal type. And these are the types that are controlling everything. And in the same way that extroversion bias is a thing that exists, Guardian bias is a thing that exists. And so when people who aren't guardians um, and who are particularly in some ways anti-guardian, like rationals are going to be more anti-guardian in some ways because of the, not that, you know, they're going to hate guardians, but they're going to point out the uh, hypocrisies and problems with the, the system that the guardian is protecting. Uh, what they're going to do, what the guardian is going to do is then just say this person is you know, wrong and, you know, and that, that could create some problems and some lack of objectivity and some, some biases there. And so one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very reticent to uh, join or become part of some community of, of any kind of leaders or spiritual people or psychological people or whatever the case is, because it's very easy to join a crowd of people and without realizing, without, without realizing what's happening, it's very easy to become influenced by that crowd at the same time. Um, it's one of the reasons why um, I, I, I tell people to be very careful of what people say, including themselves, because it's also very easy to do that with themselves. And then you can create your own cult that same way. You know, that happens and that has happened in the, fa- in the past. Um, so what happens is that there's a certain... And this also goes back to, uh, and this is uh, one of the other problems with with this as well, is that um, it goes also back to intelligence because what we have in our society is an inte- intelligence bias, and only and only a certain type of intelligence. Um, and I've explained why that system is wrong. I, I made an episode called. little unscripted moment there. I don't know what it actually picked up at the end, but um, I didn't realize that it was actually um, going to do that. But anyways, so what, it, what happened was that 
Um, with with voiceover on iPhone, you have Magic Tap on, and what Magic Tap basically does is it allows you to play things without having to go to a specific, you know, file or anything like that. And and I started playing something, and I was like, just saying, God damn it! And I don't know if it captured it or not, but it was it would be funny if it did. If it'd be funny if it did. Anyways, <laughs> so the episode I made. I made an episode about this called just because uh, the problem with smarts and intelligence, how uh, what was it? How smarts and intelligence isn't so smart or intelligent, um, because there's this there's this mistaken understanding that, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying that this kind of intelligence isn't intelligent, right? Um, but what it isn't isn't necessarily the most intelligent, and you know just because you can do really, really good at math doesn't mean that you are intelligent. Like, you're not going to be able to do, you know, you can really get a good job and stuff like that, but you're not going to be wise. You're not going to be all that smart and intelligent as far as I'm concerned. Because smart and intelligence in my book has nothing to do with the things that you can do with your mind when it comes to things like math and science and logic and all this other stuff that exists, right? You know, like, it's good to know some of these things, and, and it can help you, but honestly, it's not that important. It's in, in some ways, it's actually overvalued in our society, and and in some ways, it's overvalued, and in some ways, it's undervalued. And, and what I mean by this is that it's overvalued in the sense that, you know, intelligence is seen as, like, some godlike thing, like, oh, my God, you're intelligent. You're, you, you have an IQ of, like, 187 or something. It's like... I mean that that can be great, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. But if you have that and you have no wisdom to go along with that, if you can't, if, if there's nobody giving you any any wisdom to help you get along with that kind of power that you have, all that intelligence really has no use for you, and it's going to waste. Uh, and in the same way, you can't have wisdom without some a modicum of intelligence to to help you to discern between like. You know, numbers so that you can help yourself. You know, with math and accounting and things like this, right? Um, but there's different types of intelligence. You know, there's nine different kinds of intelligences. You know, there's social intelligence, emotional intelligence. You know, things like this. Um, and and this and so why would intelligence also be undervalued? And so this is where we hit in on uh, the nail on, on the head as far as this whole um, collective uh, societal bias goes. Because on one hand, societal like, society likes intelligence, but only if it serves society's interests. Like, for instance, like if you become a scientist and you work with like an aerospace engineering company or whatever, you're seen as great. You're seen as like some mastermind of intelligence you're seeing so it's super brilliant but but if you become a scientist and you question science and you point out the problems of science and you point out the truths of science and the problems of science you can be seen as a pro you can be seen as a problem you can be seen as a truly detrimental force to society you can even be seen as somebody who is against progress and against things that you may not actually be against but people will tell you that you're against these things because they're they're biased towards their own civilization and their own cultural norms and global and societal norms over over what you're actually saying. 
Um, you know, don't don't get this, this mistaken impression that just because something is normal that be, that doesn't mean that it's healthy. You know, some people you know sit, some people consider sitting next uh, sitting by the television eating and eating and eating all day is as normal, but it's not actually healthy at all to do. And that's a very easy mistake to make. With certain things, it's easy to point out. But with a lot of things, it's really not that easy to point out because it's normal. It's because it's seen as normal. It's seen as something even, you know, that is, is almost necessary even, like, at a certain level. And just because it is doesn't mean that it is correct for everyone. It doesn't mean that it's something that you should force on people. And this is what you get with a lot of these personality uh, problems where you're like, oh... This person's not happy because he's an introvert. Let's make him more of an extrovert. That's like not really a good way of helping people. It doesn't really work. And <clears throat> you're actually causing the problem that you're re- reporting on. Like ironically, like the the reason why introversion would be considered, a, a, would be seen and would, would uh, display levels of unhappiness is because of the exact thing that you're you're trying to do for them right now when you're saying, oh, you need to be more extroverted. You need to go out more. You know, there's this, this, there's this idea that, you know, people try and push on people like, oh, you need to go out more. You need to do this more. It's like not everybody is, is going to, wants to do the same thing you do. You know, just because I might do something doesn't mean that you should do it too. It doesn't mean that you want to do the same thing. You know, I find fun and joy uh with um but through getting lost in thought about things and and talking about things like this and getting into the nitty-gritty and getting into the details of why these things are the way they are and you know how this nuance kind of plays out and things like this Uh, and you may not and that's fine and I, i wouldn't be one of those people like they are that that would try and force it on you because I understand the problem of doing this. Number one, it doesn't work. Number two, it 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 will create resentment in the person that you're trying to help because you you think that it's help when when in actually actuality it's not, and it's not really fixing the problem. Number three, if you see as his um, actions as a problem, perhaps that's a that's on you. That's not on him. Number four, perhaps if there is a problem. Perhaps it would be better to approach it in a different manner. You know, perhaps the problem isn't that you see you should he should become more extroverted so much as it is as it is, as it is that he should become more aware of himself and in how he is and things like this. Um, but that's a different problem and a different subject. And I've talked all about how to become more self-aware and things like this. So, anyways, speech on input on button. I hope. All of you are having a good uh, day. It's a bit of a long episode, but um, it was, I think it it may help understand some of these problems. And what I might do in the future, I think I might make a a couple of different parts of of an episode. Maybe like a two or three part series on... The, the variations of personality and how the how they can interact and and, and uh, have different uh, results for different people like I've explained before like you could have somebody who has more extroverted sensing who 
see somebody who's you know has more introverted thinking and he he uh is is unaware of something and you, your your response is how could you not know that how can you not see that and that's you know one of the things i want to try and explain to people in in different ways so per, perhaps i'll be doing that in the future perhaps not we'll see i mean i've said i wanted to do a couple of episodes before and i never really did them but it is what it is so This is A Deeper Perspective, and I will talk to you in the next episode.